3: it's the autosport podcast we look back at the first day of the second pre-season f1 test and ask if mercedes has taken a big step forward Formula One pre season testing is past the halfway mark. We've had the first day of the second and final four day test at Barcelona. So just three more days of running before they all jet off to Australia for the first round of the World Championship. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me from our palatial villa, not far outside the circuit de Catalunya. We've got we've even got a small swimming pool as well as an automatic lawnmower. It's very, 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 very nice here. So enjoying the amenities. First is Tom Errington. Now, Tom, you've, uh, you've had a, a stressful day manning Autosports Live commentary, which is a, uh, a challenging job. Yeah. So are you able to construct
0: sentences still, or are you, are you just passing out? Just about, yeah. It's more my necks at one angle, looking up at timing screens and uh, eyes are square. But otherwise, yeah, I can construct sentences, I think. Excellent.
3: You may hear the interruption of other guests on this. We've got. You might be able to hear in the background. Jake Boxall, Leg, our technical editor, is in the kitchen, preparing some kind of dinner. So uh, analyzing dinner, actually analyzing dinner. Yes. yes. Uh, see, seeing the angles of it, so it's in in a good course. But he seems to be struggling with a packet of something at the moment. I Don't know quite what's going on there, but we'll we'll find out after. But my real second guest is Ben Anderson, Hello. subbing in for Gary Anderson.
2: Yes, not my dad. <laughs> we should. I yes. can confirm. You're you're regularly <laughs> accused of that. Although we we sometimes refer to each other as father and son. Well, that's, that's
3: quite sweet. Yeah, sounds... just to
2: confuse things further. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I hope we've
3: uh, we've made that clear to our uh, to Dad. our listeners. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> Excellent. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be saying hello to relatives on the on the podcast. Sorry. So it's, fan, it's a
2: fanboy thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Polo- is apologise to the Autosport podcast.
3: The Autosport apologises. Apparently, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying there. <laughs> This is a very promising start. We've had a full day of testing, so we're uh, we're struggling a little bit here. But let's let's have a look as uh, Jake Boxer leg sizzles away in the background,
2: analysing the airflow of
3: the uh, cooking devices. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. He he just cannot be stopped. No. Fastest time today was Lando Norris for McLaren, Shock. one minute seventeen point seven oh nine seconds. So that's uh, that's McLaren fastest, obviously. <laughs> Incredible scenes. <laughs> no, but realistically, obviously it was a it was a lowish fuel run on the C four, the second softest compound bend. So McLaren, we're still kind of juries out, but not overly optimistic about.
2: Yeah, I mean, it looks a bit similar to. The first part of the first test, I think, Sites was second fastest, wasn't he? On, yeah, they was second on, on the first and second day. Day Sites one, and Norris. When, you know, with the big money men around, you know, you want to you want to look good in front of the the people that matter. Also, McLaren had a tough day uh, today. Norris brought out two red flags, um, didn't do a lot of running. Um, he was at the bottom of the timesheet before going out late for those performance runs on the softest compound. So. it's important work to do you need to do performance runs to understand where your car is Um, but it also helps morale if you're not finishing the day bottom of the time is when you you're not necessarily fully confident of your package and that you've got a full understanding of what's underneath you Um, I didn't get to see the McLaren out on track I went trackside for an hour in the afternoon and my time out trackside was cut short before Norris did his run so I'm wasn't able to see how the car was behaving but you'd imagine that Norris at the top of the times is not a sign that McLaren are going to win the World Championship and that all is perfect now in Woking. No, exactly. And uh, McLaren in the first test didn't look overly
3: convincing on track. Some work to be done there, but I'm interested to see if they've got the rear end a little bit more solid and, uh, and predictable so the drivers can attack. Now, Tom, what, what was the, the real story of the day? Lando Norris was a nice little headline at the end, but there was plenty going on with, with
0: Red Bull, uh, second fastest, and we saw some of the big guns going at it, as it were. Yeah, we saw a lot of teams that maybe had some questions from the first test starting to answer them a little bit. So obviously in the midfield, a lot of that was Renault didn't really get a chance to put together long runs. And right from the start, they were on the C3, the C2, and they were constantly going on the long runs. Haas were the same. They managed to seem to lose these electrical gremlins they were talking about. And in the case of Williams, every mile is obviously huge for them, and they're able to go over 100 laps. So a lot of teams were starting to get down to answering the questions they already had, or in the case of Williams playing catch-up, and they were probably the biggest stories there, is that you could see teams now starting to focus on the areas they hadn't got that data for and starting to really drill down into and understand their cars. Exactly. Well, I should say George Russell and the Williams did a 1
3: minute 19.662, 119 laps, so a decent day for Williams, and we're seeing a little bit more performance. That's still nothing extraordinary. We're still kind of ranking yeah. them at the back, but there's there's progress progress being made. How about what, what Red Bull were doing? We saw Red Bull and Ferrari, wasn't
0: it, doing some doing some longer runs together? Yeah, I mean the, the Red Bull were quite a strange one in a lot of ways, and that we we don't think we saw them on anything other than the C three. It was obviously a bit That's like a always, middle compound. Yeah, a bit like I've always seen Mercedes run a, the medium compound in the past because it's the one that you know is very reliable. You know what you're getting from it, and you do a long running on it. That seems to be what Red Bull were doing. And sort in the morning, they did a few what looked like performance runs, were very very quick, but. Okay, a lot of the other teams, particularly Mercedes, didn't get a chance to do one. Ferrari, felt looked to be focusing on long runs. So it's quite hard to say where they stack up on that front. But certainly in the case of Red Bull, particularly from a Honda perspective as well, they're able to log a lot of miles, look competitive, which is all they can really ask for at this point. And I know, Ben, you briefly said hello to Christian Horner and mentioned how everything's going well so far.
2: Yeah, he looked looked like a happy man, quite relaxed. I think this is, I mean, he said last week, didn't he, that this is Red Bull's best preseason ever Um They look quietly confident, quite happy with how things are going. Um, I think those lap times Gasly did in the Red Bull and Leclerc slash Vettel did in the Ferrari were the most representative times of the day. That C3 tyre is the one that probably best approximates what you would use around Barcelona for the race. Um, And they they were, you know, it was a close call between Ferrari and Red Bull. Watching trackside in the afternoon, it was clear Vettel was on longer runs mainly. The Ferrari looked heavy. Um, not turning in particularly well to the the fast left hander at turn seven, the S's. Um, but both the Ferrari and the Red Bull looked so planted uh, mid corner and picking up the throttle more than any other car out on the track. Those those two gave the driver the most confidence that they could really do whatever they wanted with it and and not get themselves into trouble. Unlike Daniel Ricciardo, who in the Renault he looked quite solid for the most part, but when he when he just got that little bit too close to the edge, big snap of oversteer in that car. So, um, yeah, Ferrari and Red Bull, very impressive. Um, the big question is, obviously, we don't know fuel loads and how close the Red Bull truly is to the Ferrari. But like for like on tyres, you'd have to say that a couple of tenths at the end of day five of eight is quite encouraging for Red Bull Honda. And that is
3: quite positive for them. We were certainly sure that Red Bull probably was at least at the level it was last year. But there's a hint it may be a little bit stronger, which would be encouraging. It's interesting the point you made about the Renault. I know watching in last week's test there were times, you know, through turns one, two, three, particularly through two and then three, it was just a bit of a struggle for Ricardo to carry the speed through two and get the car yanked across the track for the entry to the right-hander. And I don't know whether you saw that when you were out there, just just not no, quite didn't, didn't having that, that same, section. just not whether he's just not quite having the same level of grip he's used to and responsiveness. The runner actually looks quite good on track, but it it's very good, it's not, the, but
2: it's not quite a Red Bull. No, it's very good on the C three compound. And especially newer tyres, but as the as the tyre was going off, it looked like more of a handful. He didn't look confident on the on the white wall tyre. I don't know if he was on the one or the two. It's hard to see from from track side, but probably the two. We haven't seen much on the one. Certainly, no, the no. car looked a bit more larry on the let's call it the medium tyre. Effectively, um, a bit, but very similar to the Haas. And we know that the Haas from last season was a very benign car, probably the best balanced car in the midfield group and the Renault looked very similar to that maybe slightly less compliant over the bumps but if you consider that Haas has probably carried across that benign handling trait from last year which you'd want to do because that must have inspired massive confidence in the drivers for the Renault to look pretty close to that except for when Ricardo was exploring the very outer limits of the the curves that's a that's a good step from from that team there's
3: some spanish dogs outside trying to uh trying to interrupt you there. I'm not quite sure what they're maybe like they Maybe
2: they've uh, uh, collided with our automatic lawnmower. That's possible. Nick- oh, no. Nicknamed Paddy Moe. Yeah, yeah, Paddy, Paddy Moe, Mo, yeah. That'd be a bit alarming. <laughs> no, it's, it's not the first time we've had uh, we had a horse that
3: disagreed with Scott Mitchell. So are the dogs disagreeing year, so with Ben? The dogs that disagree with Ben yeah. Anderson. Well, they're okay. quite
2: muted, so I don't think they, they disagree. agree. I don't think they disagree with me as vehemently as the horse that disagreed with Scott Mitchell.
3: No, they want to have a, a mild disagreement and a, and a constructive debate, evidently. Uh, but it's interesting, the point you make about the midfield because watching early on last week the the Haas started off exactly as you described that sort of benign quite well handling car and it's kind of maintained that whereas the Renault started off it didn't look quite so convincing but the interesting thing with the Renault is it just seems to have got day on day on day on day more impressive well that's good they changed a lot positive. they
2: changed a lot on that car didn't they I know you did an interview with um, Marcin Budkowski and he said that they've, they've kind of gone through the whole car stripped it right back to update bits and refined bits that you wouldn't normally think about when you're just talking about adding performance month on month or year on year so probably a quite a lot of understanding needed of essentially a completely new car at the first test now it seems like they're probably getting to grips with it a bit more heading into week two and it, it looks like a decent package not something that's going to leapfrog them massively out of the midfield and into the group with the top three I wouldn't have thought but I'd imagine if progress continues in a in a in a in a good way or a, a, on a good curve, they will start the season at the front of the midfield rather than trying to work their way to the point where they're they're the fourth fastest team by the end, which would be a, a good step.
3: Tom, do you have any
0: hints of the long run pace in the midfield? or Ambush you with that, that question. Yeah, that's quite an ambush. Um, the hash in Magstan was very very consistent. He seemed very much able to keep the car in a consistent lap range so again i think that benign thing comes into it there he knows what he's got from it that over time where the tire degradation fuel loads that seemed to be a very consistent very combined car the reno probably just behind that um does the alfa romeo is a little bit harder to get a read on that's and same with the toro rosso they didn't quite look to have quite the level of consistency in terms of pace across a stint.
3: Well, that's interesting because both of those two cars, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we, Ben? Certainly the Alpha looks a tiny bit more floaty. It carries the speed, yeah, but you just look at it, the same with the Toro Rosso, it doesn't look quite as planted what, what you as say- some of the mid- other midfield rivals. So that we, were, we were wondering if that would translate into a little bit more
0: A little more Yeah, very early sign is that looks to be the case, I'd say. See, when you've got sort of that benchmark, in Vettel doing that fuel load run that you mentioned before was a great example of what the absolute top level you can do is. And he was very... You could see his times were very gradually dropping off, as you'd expect, normal. So having the midfield there, you had that little bit of a benchmark to kind of suss and compare. And certainly the Haas looked particularly good on that. Renault very close. Yeah, a little bit of a gap before you got to the the Alpha and the Toro Rosso. What you say tallies with... My observations from trackside,
2: the Alpha looked fast, very responsive on turning, but the trade-off seemed to be that it was quite larry at the rear mid-corner and exit, and if it hit a bump, it seemed to require the driver to react to it. So if you are if you got your wits about you, you're fine, but it looked like quite a, a tricky car to, to drive, even if it was quite a rewarding one on the way into corners. The Toro Rosso just, it looked okay, but it just looked like it lacked grip all round compared to the Red Bull, so... Um, and also perhaps an element of Alexander Alban being an inexperienced driver, not yeah, yet fully well. trusting the limits of the car. I think he said he's still working up to the limit at high speed, and it looked that way. He just didn't seem to have the same confidence to stick the car in and plant the throttle in the way Pierre Gasly was doing lap after lap.
3: How about Racing Point? Lance Stroll was third fastest today. We haven't. It's not a team we've talked about an enormous amount, and they've not had the most running of of, of all of them, but. With a, again, it's one of these seasons where that team, which was Force India, is going in with a slightly undercooked car and big ambitions to develop it through the season, which normally they do well. So, what what do we make of that? Are we are we putting them into that big midfield fight because it, it looks really tight in that midfield? I, I yeah, would,
2: actually, I, would yeah. I would put them there. I know that the lap time from Stroll towards the end of the day looks a little bit like a Norris esque low fuel yeah, glory run. Was. to be honest. So I don't think it's that fast, but watching it handling wise it looks quite similar to the Alpha. actually Um, quite quick good on the way in and again just a little bit leery on the way out and you know perhaps not the easiest car to drive but that team as you say they're quite good at developing the car this season with the extra investment they should be able to develop more quickly and more consistently so I imagine they'll feel quite relaxed heading to Melbourne knowing they've got bits in the pipeline that they'll be able to pay for, build and bolt on the car rather than sitting there with loads of development unconstructed in the
0: factory. Yeah, I mean, in a shorter sense, nothing headline grabbing, but no problems either. For a car that's probably underbaked, that's not exactly a problem, is it really?
3: It's very encouraging for that midfield battle because we saw it was tight last year. There have been some suggestions it's even tighter this year. So we've got this group of Racing Point, Alfa Romeo, Toro Rosso, Haas, Renault towards the front, they all look like they're in that. And then you've got McLaren, who are kind of, they are in that group. They're not necessarily at the front of it, but it's quite compressed in that part. And then you've got Williams, who we still haven't seen evidence they've latched onto that pack. But That's,
2: that's a really tough one to call, I think. Yeah, Williams, yeah. Williams, Williams, we have to remember there's an offset in what in what they're doing as well. Yeah. so They're I mean, catching up massively, aren't they? And, yes, and I yes. did notice um, George Russell did quite a few laps um, while I was watching trackside. And for a while, actually, he was running ahead of... Uh, the Ferrari and the Renault and keeping them behind (laughs) was stretching away I figure that's not something he'll be able to get used to much as the season progresses How how did the
3: Williams Uh, look? I didn't get to see it today and I I know watching it last test on the last day you watched it and you thought yeah it's doing kind of everything it should do but it it wasn't it was like a day one car sort of working well but not really being pushed on so I think some of the underlying characteristics in that car and the limitations weren't visible I'm sure the drivers were starting to feel them but from the outside they were you couldn't really see it coming alive should we say
2: no the impression i got from watching russell is that he was driving within himself so the car looked absolutely fine but i think that was because he was holding back it lo- he looked like a driver to me who didn't fully trust what was underneath him and therefore he wasn't prepared to go and find those limits that say ricardo was doing having massive larry moments and catching them where needed he was concerned that if he lent on that car too much it was going to bite him massively so he was let say, leaving a bigger margin for error than some of the other drivers. So the Williams looks good because he's not pushing that envelope yet, I don't think. And that, that's probably a product of, A, his own inexperience, but also just the, the lack of running Williams have had. They're, as you say, massively behind in terms of their own programme. So you can't afford to,
0: to run before you can walk. Yeah, to add to that, really, today was almost like a first full-day testing programme. And certainly, the way Russell spoke afterwards, we remember looking at Live and thinking that the C4, C5... Time, sort of the softer compound time, really weren't that impressive at all and then Russell said afterwards that yeah they hadn't got they hadn't understood those tires but actually it makes a lot of sense when they've just got this car they're going to run on the harder compounds and kind of get a base level being able to then push on and do those faster laps that's quite a big ask on effectively a real first day so to judge them on that sort of sense you're going to have to look towards the end of the week really. It is worrying isn't it because you just don't know when you
3: start leaning on the car, it's quite easy to, if you're driving within it, if there's an instability, that kind of thing we saw. Williams had a tremendous rear instability here last year when we were watching at CAMSA when Sergey Sorokin and Lance Stroll were trying to do it. He was there. having a big lift through yeah, that yeah. corner. Yeah. So you could hear it. That's interesting to me whether those qualities that were in the previous car, whether they've been carried over, a bit like we've seen a little bit with with McLaren, should we say. So that's, that's interesting. I don't want to. I, have to be careful about suggesting McLaren and Williams are in the same situation they're not because currently McLaren is
2: with the midfield Williams is currently in a little island but it's such a tough group isn't it you know, all, so many of those teams now look respectable and maybe even a bit better than respectable there's nowhere to hide and if you're a team that's got problems carried over from the year before or you're behind massively just to, with your own programme it's going to be very difficult to not get cut adrift from that group when they're all functioning so well it's going to be a fascinating battle to watch because I would say
3: Renault needs to be winning that midfield battle, and it needs to, as the season goes on, moving out in clearly into no man's land and showing it's it's, it's bridging that towards, gap. towards the top three. Yeah. But then again, there's so many teams you can make a good case for. Even if you just set aside what we've seen, we know renault has got the investment. Racing Point when you get stronger because they're spending they're spending money. Toro Rosso ever closer ties with Red Bull. Lots of parts being used. Alfa Romeo with yeah, Ferrari. More, more, with yeah. there's more investment, more money there with the Alpha change they're Capitalising on their partnership with Ferrari, so there's there's all these teams that have all these things going for you, and actually you can say you can go make an argument for all of them, saying, well, actually, yeah, Renault should be able to be fourth, yeah, Racing Point should be able to be, well, Alpha should be, able. and you think, hang on a minute, some of these are going to have to be fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. <laughs> so mm. that's and of course, really Mercedes at the moment, where are they? Well, Mercedes guess. are the yeah. the team we've uh, conspicuously avoided so far. Obviously, <laughs> the big story, of the first test was Mercedes. Not being in the in the best
2: shape, we've got used. Have to I them. blown your big intro to no, Mercedes no, not, there? Not at
3: all. It's <laughs> uh, it's worthwhile uh, talking about because it's uh, it's been a an important test for them. We talked before about how tackling some of the perceived performance uh, that was missing was important, and sure enough, we saw the car come out with some significant changes. Uh, just uh, reading here, yeah, there's a new front wing end plates, which are. Uh, out washing rather than in washing as they were before handy sound uh, hand gesture there for me for those yeah, who are listening yeah, right. uh, it's great for the video version to, of it's this. great for an audio for me i'll, yeah. I'll do i'll do the next music to your ears listeners yeah. I'll, do, I'll explain the other upgrades in the form of interpretive dance well, i'll look forward um, to that one <laughs> oh, so you, c- you can all uh, yeah. well then you'll be able to see it so the rest of you can uh, can imagine it so there's a there's a few other there's a little other tweet a little cutaway on that on that end plate as well and twe- work on the floor yeah tweak to the nose cone i mean basically giorgio piola our technical expert eye said he could see 12 obviously visual differences they've changed a lot of the aero surfaces there's loads of invisible things huge number of parts have been thrown at that car this is a this is a big package of stuff bigger than we normally see test one to test two so what what do you make of it ben for
2: what are you, are you thinking yeah mercedes making good progress i'm a bit underwhelmed by mercedes so far in testing or at least slightly confused because we got so used to this Relentless machine, turning out a brilliant car for launch, test one, hitting the track. First two days, couple of long, proper long race runs, yet that's in the bag. A couple of performance runs on days three and four, looking good, probably fastest. And then test two, yet they bolt on a load of development, get ready for Melbourne, and they just set themselves ahead of the rest, who are usually finding their feet on week one, not quite fully understanding, and then maybe starting to kind of get on terms with a normal program by week two it seems to be happening in reverse for mercedes week one they hit the track things don't really go quite according to plan not that smoothly they're concerned about the handling of the car and they need the upgrade it's not just obviously we want upgrades all the top teams are upgrading all the time Foundry bottas is saying we need it to solve the problems because We've got a car that only works in some corners and not others. That's the sort of problem that midfield teams like Renault and Toro Rosso have been having since the 2017 rules were introduced. Not something you expect from Mercedes. And now we get this this update package. We perhaps got a little bit overexcited early on our on our Autosport video, indicating there might be a reaction to week one. Obviously, they'll have some setup lessons and what have you from week one that they'll employ. But these items were were baked in long ago in the design office January. Probably, And as James Allison said at the end of the day, this is their Melbourne bodywork. So they obviously planned pretty much in line with previous pre-seasons to come out strong with their race one package in test two and try to understand it. But then they've had a, a tough day, An engine change, lack of running for Bottas, nothing particularly spectacular on the longer runs, no short runs. Allison is saying we need more time to understand the car. It behaves differently to the weak one car so it's not like they're carrying across a baseline and just building on it that I don't think they really know where they are or necessarily absolutely what their car is doing and they've only got three days to go and normally we're talking about Mercedes at this point being streets ahead in terms of lap count understanding everything so careful not to call it a crisis but it doesn't look like the usual Mercedes pre-season to me yeah, it's definitely, in comparison to previous years, not great. I think
3: the encouraging thing is they did have the trouble in the first test, and the fact that they've come with such a big package, whereas, say, Ferrari, Aero-wise, certainly on day one, is pretty similar. I think kind of supports the idea they've, they've, they've sort of taken a step. I think with, with Mercedes, it's not a question of, are they in crisis? Is it all over the place? It's Ferrari have done a good job. Everything seems to be working really well. Ticking all the boxes, they're really happy. And then Mercedes, slightly more uncertain. New bits on the car. They said that the engine problem prevented them doing a bit of back-to-back comparison. I think when Bottas went out and had the engine failure, he'd actually switched to the old front wing, hadn't he, As a comparison, the in-washing. It feels to wing.
2: me like they've so, got two concepts that they've, they're trying, basically, and they, they're not sure which one to go well, with. And it's po- week week one, try possibly, this one, but we're not sure. Possibly, week two, but also, it's it's
3: merited to do a back-to-back as well, yeah, of course. Yeah, if you're going to try it. So I, I think I get the impression they feel like the the outwash approach is, is better, but I think what we can say is yeah, Mercedes is a bit behind its own standards. Yeah, I that's, think that's fair. I, I think, think Mercedes, Toto Wolf said, yeah, the first test we were behind. I think they've taken it. they've probably provided it all works, we're assuming it works, and we have to give a five times world champion team the benefit of the doubt in that. They're very, very good. They know what they're doing. So Well they're going to be third the, best at absolute at worst. Absolute worst, aren't they? yeah. So they're they're only gonna be a, a few tenths off. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see the the coming days. And yeah, that afternoon. I think seven laps only Bottas managed it. Did it go on his out lap? The yeah, it was only that on lap. Yeah, yeah. So the the loss of uh, oil pressure. Uh, sorry, Tom. You look like you're about to weigh in with
0: some. Uh, you, you
3: had the air of a man looking at me, thinking, "Will you shut up? I've got something no, interesting nice
0: to say." Maybe I was zoned out. Not sure. Um, but I think uh, either is accepted. Yeah. Understood when you've been on. Live <laughs> yeah, the, all day. the listeners know when, how Ed, you when feel. Ed goes. Yeah, you, you just switch off a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I do wonder how different we'd look back at the day if Mercedes were able to actually go and validate that concept and run those significant laps and get a bit more to it that could be a platform that's you know quite big to defining with the approach they take the fact they've lost that time that's more time lost that sets tomorrow back and so on and so on yeah I mean.
2: no it's, it's it's very very true it's uh, it's compound Compound gains, isn't it? Even unreliability is an unusual thing to see from pre-season. You know, having an engine change, that's something you don't associate with them in the hybrid era. So just just seems like maybe it's just a confluence of circumstances, but it just seems like things are not quite going to plan or as smoothly as that team usually would expect. And a lot lot of their advantage in this recent
0: era has been built on the solid foundation of a brilliant pre-season. Yeah, and they've set the standards so high as well that any time they slip slightly under those, it's going to be noticeable much more so than, say, a Ferrari in recent years.
3: Yeah. And well, I think it's one of those things that Ferrari's been getting
0: stronger the past
3: few years. Mercedes is the benchmark and we were expecting this season to be a tougher fight between the two. Yeah, so it's tough at the top. We, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We shouldn't we shouldn't be surprised. They both set Setting a high standard, Ferrari has been kind of Mercedes-esque, hasn't it? Yeah, in terms 100%. of the way it's
2: it's hit the ground running. And this has to be their smoothest start, hasn't yeah. it, for a long while? Yeah, very, very much I mean, so. I mean, in
3: fairness, the, the Ferrari has looked the last few years pretty good in terms of just the way it works out of the box. But I remember last year they went to a high rake. There was there were things that they were trying to master in the the, the turn in wasn't working quite well because they were tr- they were working on the the platform control and all these things that you need if you're running higher rate, you've obviously got more yeah. trail at the back. It's not an easy thing to, to switch to. And but, they had reliability
2: problems previously. yeah, yeah they? but they yes, seem to have yeah. got a handle on all, all of those things yeah, now. The, the, and that so Finally, just... they've hit the ground, as you say, Mercedes-esque, yeah. ready to go with Absolutely. a really strong car. I suppose the big test, of course, is when they do start to develop. Obviously, that's where they they ran aground last season, introducing things that didn't work. So that's the big test for them. It's still to come, isn't it?
3: And we also don't know how the engine comparison goes. Very Mercedes true. have made some changes with the engine. They're, they're trying to push the ceiling up for what they can, what they can do. We know that Ferrari excellent last year, we'll, we'll keep pushing. And then there's this question of where Honda is, where, yeah, where yeah, Renault absolutely. is, because Honda's got qualifying modes it can use. Yeah, Renault have said engine. they're really pushing. So we should see engine performance converging. We expect that. Hopefully, yeah. uh, And that places more emphasis on what Merck can do with its chassis and its aero, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, those are your two main performance areas, aren't they? It's, it's aerodynamic load and engine, isn't it? That's yeah, absolutely. That's where most of your pace is provided, of course, you can Put that power down and that downforce down uh, sensibly with we, your with
2: your mechanical platform. But we certainly need to see more from Mercedes, I think, over the next three days. We're not, and, and I'm, we're just never used to saying that, are mm. we? Normally, at this point, it's like, oh, Mercedes miles ahead, but we're we're coming up to day six, and we really have no idea. And it's good as
3: well because it's great to see these teams challenged. You know, Mercedes Absolutely. is a very very good team. We want to see at the fight at the front in our position. We don't really mind who wins. We just want to see an interesting, yeah, interesting yeah, season, definitely. an interesting battle, and hopefully at the end of it, it's one at the last corner of the last lap and the yeah, right, and the, good story The, to the right person wins. Yeah, that, that's Brilliant. the ideal. So, but Mercedes being tested by. Maybe playing a degree of catch up would be actually very interesting for the story. And then you've got this whole question of new situation. What difference him. can Lewis Hamilton make? Can he start doing more races like Monza last year, where he started behind, but change the race? So, yeah, it'll make for a for a really good season. But yeah, I think there'll be some there'll be some heads being scratched at Mercedes. Lots of data being gone over. They'll have learned, despite the loss of running today, they will have learned a lot, and. You know that they seem to reckon they understand everything they saw in the first test in terms of the phenomenons. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But it doesn't. It's it's that difference, isn't it? It's between is it is it a crisis? No. Is it a little bit of a concern? Well, if you're not got to be, if you're not it? the best yeah, and you're good. at the front,
2: of course it's a concern. Especially when you consider how strong Ferrari looks over the first five days of testing and watching the car track side, it just looks so so not easy to drive, but so rewarding for. For the driver so compliant. It was exactly
3: the same in the first test. I remember watching it in the last sequence and just the traction off the uh, the corner before the chicane, the right hander. Is that turn twelve? I can't remember the the number, but the right hander. Just you have a quick squirt on the power. It puts the power down beautifully. Yeah, just it, takes the curbs like they're not there.
2: Yes, that that was the same impression I had of this year's car. The the bumps. It's like they're not there, and no 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 other car with possible exception of the Red Bull looks like that. Um, so it's a, it's a fantastic benchmark to have. Yeah. So I think we still we
3: still think Ferrari uh, Ferrari looking very very strong. But with every day of testing, it gets more serious, doesn't it? Because we're going to see more and more long runs tomorrow, and we'll start to see more performance runs cropping up. And yeah, it's just there'll that,
2: be fuel load games, but ultimately yeah. you have to get some idea of where well, well, your cars at, don't you? You can't head to Melbourne blind.
3: Yeah. Ultimately, people talk about glory runs and that kind of thing, but sometimes it it it, it is worth knowing what the car can do. And you want to, as Gary Anderson always says, you want to get the feel for what the car's like when you're in qualifying trim on on light fuel and, and give the drivers a bit of a taste of it so they know what to expect. So all of these things, it's not, testing's not just a game. It's why I find sandbagging a bit of a a bit of a troubling phrase because, yeah, nobody wants to show everything they've got. There's nothing to but, be gained, is but there? But testing's not just exclusively a game of... Droning oh, around uh, doing uh, nothing. Droning around, not showing people what you can yeah. do. They all analyse everything. They've got all sorts of data and ways to examine what each other are, are doing. So they have a they have a pretty good idea. So we shouldn't, um, yeah, we shouldn't think that nobody's going quickly. Yeah, and if they are going quickly, they're doing it to to trick people. Definitely not the case. Um, but yeah, so uh, those next three days are going to be uh, are going to be fascinating. Well, thanks, Tom Errington and Ben Anderson. I'll leave you to prepare to enjoy the feast that Jake Boxer Leggers. Hopefully. Produced. It's been very quiet. In the Out, outwash pasta or inwash pasta? Oh, that's a good question. I hope he's back to back to it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, important. If to one's do. failed, yeah,
3: It depends what type of. P- perhaps he's gone through, put put the various types of pasta through CFD. Mm. You know, spaghetti. Maybe he's asked farley pasta. How does that work? Yeah, Paddy lots, lots of, of vortex generators in the transition of farley. Yeah.
0: He'll have drawn it as well. There'll be diagrams to exactly. To help. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. And then we'll get uh, Giorgio Piola to sketch it. Yep. Yeah. Brilliant. Full process, yeah. Job done. That's that's how we roll. Uh, well, do check out autosport.com. Loads of news from the from the test there. Obviously, our live coverage will kick back into life tomorrow with Tom Errington and his colleague Jack Cousins. We'll be, uh, we'll be working on that. Our plus, subscriber area, all sorts of in-depth features for those who, uh, who subscribe. Today, I've done a, a piece on Mercedes, trying to dig into where they are, what they've been doing. And Autosport magazine out every Thursday. Currently the uh, the issue on the shelf is the the launch issue lots of in-depth technical analysis of the cars. And next Thursday well this coming Thursday rather there will be uh coverage of the, the first test and then our season preview issue on uh, March March seventh. So watch out for that. Check out Sister Titles Motorsport.com, F1 Racing Magazine out monthly, and Motorsport News out every Wednesday. And if you fancy a flutter, download the pit stop betting app. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another also sport podcast